When he chose that song, I was just looking to see if he was going to do verse 2 or not. I was just looking. But he paid attention this morning. Not that it would be anything wrong if you led it as long as you knew what you were doing. But anyway, hey, I have a couple questions. First of all, uh, if you have not picked up those booklets yet, I know we're getting kind of sparse with them, and we'll get some more if we need to, but I, I think there's enough for every, all adults all the way down through uh, high school students. Everyone grab one and uh, have one. It starts on Tuesday, so sometime Tuesday if you can, with your family preferably. But if you can't, you've got to go in 100 different directions, take that thing to school with you. And read your, your section and do your prayer. No, you can't have prayer in school, but you can pray while you're at school. You know, people have been doing it for years. Every day there was a test. I prayed to the Lord all the time at school. And uh, you can do that. There's no reason you can't. So do that and really participate. Let's get together on this thing and, and strengthen each other. Now let me, let me just throw something out there. I just want to show of hands. Um, if we moved Wednesday night meeting time to 6.30, how many say that's a good move? Raise your hand real high. You can get here a little early, so you get out a little early. Okay. How many say, there ain't no way because I couldn't possibly get there in time? Raise your hand. <laughs> I told the elders it would be that way. <laughs> anyway, so we're debating it, and uh, I just won. Yes! Okay, uh, Matt. Um, anyway, uh, that's, just, uh, uh, that's just my own uh, interest there. Matthew chapter 24 is where we're at. This is, uh, this really, to be honest with you, this topic and this text really doesn't belong necessarily in a pulpit. It's better when you can have a Bible class of give and take because it's very strange. And we're going to deal with this in a different way than, than we normally would in a Sunday night sermon, but just kind of follow with me because uh, in order for this morning's sermon to really make sense, you have to have this night one to understand what the first part of this chapter is. Jesus has left, verse 1, by the way, Harvey, it was one of the most inspiring things to see you get up here and read Scripture tonight. I know how difficult that was for you, and you insisted on coming up here and doing that, and that's a beautiful thing. And so, if the sermon bombs, we still had some great message tonight, seeing him up here. So, it says, Jesus left the temple. This is the last time, this wonderful place that is the centerpiece of uh, Old Testament Israelite faith. Uh, and it was precious to Jesus, too. You remember when he was 12, he spent a lot of time there, right? Two or three day period right there. But... Um, Jesus is leaving this building for the last time. God is leaving the building. That's kind of what I'm calling this sermon. When God left the building, he's leaving the temple for the final time. And the disciples are looking at it. And they point, to, uh, point uh, out to him these buildings of the temple. In Mark, it says, what, they look at him and say, what amazing uh, buildings, what amazing stones. This is like a, an architectural wonder of the world, and it really was. Even the Romans acknowledged that. This is an amazing symbol. This is the White House. It's the White House. It is the centerpiece of everything that's Jewish. And it's an amazing feat. And people wonder, like the pyramids of Egypt, how'd they get those massive stones together? That's a really good question. It's kind of a mystery still to, to the world, but, but it's something they, they got together and they did. And the temple was very much like that. And so they say, and then Jesus, while they're marveling at that and drawing his attention to it, he, with a little bit of bitterness maybe, maybe a little bit of sadness, he says, you see all these? I'm telling you, not one of these stones will be left on another. Everything will be thrown down. What kind of force would it take? These are huge boulders that make up the temple. What kind of force would it take? to go against the temple and knock it down to where no two, building, no two building stones are together. 
It just absolutely boggles their mind to think of a world without temple. They can't fathom this, and the, the whole 45-minute walk down the Kidron Valley up the Mount of Olives, they are just consumed with, what are you talking about, Jesus? And so he gets to the Mount of Olives, and i got to tell you, for you Old Testament people in Ezekiel chapter 11, when God was so frustrated with the Israelites that the glory of God left the temple, it went east on a hill to the east, and it sat there, and God looked back on his temple. I think it was sitting right here where Jesus is now. A frustration with his people to not get this love for him and to draw close to him, and it's all about, we got the temple, we got the temple, but he doesn't have their lives. And he's discovered that already in the last few days. He's been in the temple, he's cursed the fig tree, it dies, and he's saying to them, the temple's days are numbered. There's something replacing the temple. He's getting rid of this system, and he's replacing it. Jesus himself and all who are in Christ. Those are symbolically stated. But he, he goes that 45-minute trip. He's at the Mount of Olives, and he's looking down the city, and it's panoramic. You'll see in this picture, next picture. That's what it looks like from the Mount of Olives. You're looking down on this magnificent temple, and you're just marveling at it. And the disciples have been baffled ever since he said that. And, and, and finally, they get the nerve up to say, when's this going to happen? They cannot imagine life without temple. And he's just given them an image that it's going to be destroyed. So he sat on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? When's this event, horrific, cataclysmic event, going to happen? They assume it's the end of time. But it's not. Jesus knows that, and so it becomes two questions. They assume that says, they answer, they rephrase the question because they want him to make sure that he understands what they're asking what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? That's a totally separate question, but they think it's one. Just as the people still marvel today about all these architectural wonders of the first century, the temple was not a magnificent building, and it was the centerpiece of the Jewish faith. So the idea of being without it just kind of baffles their mind. This morning we dealt with 35 or 36 on uh, the, that time. There are no signs, absolutely none. We got this through, right? Everybody got that? There's absolutely no signs. There is no way to know. You cannot predict. You cannot guess. There's not a few little, uh, little check marks that have to be blocked off. There's nothing giving you a clue when Jesus is going to come back. But in the first half of his answer, there's plenty of clues because he's describing something else. He's describing when this temple is going to be destroyed. He's describing when Israel is done. He's describing when God finally brings his judgment on the people of Israel, the Old Testament, and wipes them out. He is saying, I'm leaving you, and I'm doing something different. I'm fulfilling my Israel plan by leaving Israel as a political nation and going to Israel as a, as a spiritual people. Look at verses 4 through 8. There are some things in here, we're not going to read this verse for verse, but I'm going to say this. See that no one leads you astray, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ, and will lead many people astray. You'll hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you don't get alarmed. This must take place. The end is not yet. Notice that. And he also says in verse 8, these are the beginnings of birth pains. This is where labor starts, but listen, it's going to be a long period. Labor is not short for the most part. And he's saying there's this long stretch, but here's how it's going to start. The, 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 the atmosphere of the world is going to be just like it is right now. There are things that go on that scare you. Then he zeroes in on the believers in verses 9 through 14. 
you will be delivered up to tribulation and put to death. You'll be hated by all the nations for my name's sake. Many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and lead many astray because of this law, and because of this, uh, because, and because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But you've got to endure. You've got to hang in there. The gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world. Now, this is a signal. It's going to take a little while for the gospel to get throughout the whole world, y'all. This is not going to something happen the next five or ten years. He's saying, it's coming, and during this time, you're going to be persecuted, going to be attacked. And you read the book of Acts, they're constantly before the authorities. They're constantly creating conflict with people, and they're brought before these tribunals. They're having to defend themselves all the way into the end of the book of Romans. Book, the time of Acts and the book of Romans. During that whole time, this is being fulfilled. But he says the gospel's got to be, be preached throughout the world. Now, in the book of Romans, Paul says that very thing. The gospel has been preached throughout the world. He wrote this book in A.D. 57. So he's reaching a time where the gospel's... Now, it doesn't mean every creature's heard. It means every people on the face of the planet has somebody who's pro proclaiming that word and giving them a chance to hear it. So this is a long period of time we're talking about. We're talking, this is the beginning of birth pains, and it's going to be tension, and it's going to be stress, and your life is going to be rough as a believer, but it's not yet. It's not yet. Verses 15 through 28 describe this weird Daniel image of the abomination of desolation. What will be seen in those days, verses 22 and 24, 26, 28, as time draws closer for these events of the stones of the temple being broken apart and no two on each other, there's going to be this horrible abomination. Daniel describes this as some foreigner, a, a non-Jew, coming into the Holy of Holies. This happens with Antiochus Epiphanes in the 1st century B.C., 2nd century B.C. But Jesus is saying it's going to be fulfilled even more fully because he's going to come into this Holy of Holies and knock it all down. It's going to be destroyed and it's not going to function anymore. And it's going to be devastating to every Jew because every Jew thought that God would not allow anyone, non-Jew, to enter this temple like this. This Daniel forecast is going to come true. It took four years for the Romans to break through in Jerusalem to reach the temple and completely destroy it. And many believers read this section or knew this section from 15 to 28, where Jesus says, you know what, when you start seeing this happen, when you see these foreign invaders get in there and start attacking, you Christians need to run. You Jewish believers need to get out. And Josephus says, many Christians ran off into the hills and escaped this because they listened to the words of Jesus. Judaism is about to fall. And it does. One other little glimpse that's interesting well, we'll get to there in verse 30, 31. But he says the tribulation of those times, those four years when Jews were stuck in this city, trying to defend it, they were starving to death, and they were mistreated terribly. It would be a great tribulation that has never been seen before, he says, and never will be seen again, which means there's going to be time after this. This is not the end of time. There'll be tribulations after this, but there won't be tribulations like this, and God cut them short for the sake of the elect. And then come the results of the fall, beginning verse 29. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, this is what gives people the willies, okay? 
You're not supposed to say willies from the pulpit probably, but I'm, I'm just saying it just gives people the creeps. Immediately, after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. sun won't give light. The moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from the heavens. The powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the Son of the Son of Man. Then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. That sure sounds like the end of time, doesn't it? That sure sounds like he's wrapping up the whole story of time. But it's apocalyptic language. And he used it in Isaiah a lot. He used it in Isaiah to describe what's going to happen to Babylon. If we were doing a Bible study, we would turn to Isaiah chapter 13 and read about eight verses, but we're not going to do that here. This same language is what God uses to say to Babylon, I used you to punish my people, and now this is what's going to happen to you. The sun is going to fall from the sky. The whole universe is going to be upended. Your entire history and future are, are destroyed. I'm going to bring Babylon to an end. This is cataclysmic language for God to use. I'm judging my people. I'm judging not my people. I'm judging any nation, and I'm bringing this nation to an end. It is absolutely being judged by God and crushed and destroyed. Babylon was. Edom is described the same way in Isaiah chapter 34. Here's what I'm saying. When God has put up with it as much as he's going to put up with it, and he brings a nation to the end, he uses this language to say, the world as you know it is over. Time, customs, history, significance of what you do, it's all going to be upended and destroyed. Now what he's saying here is, this is what's going to happen to Judaism. God is now turning this language on his own people. He's using the language of Daniel chapter 7 where the Son of Man comes in the clouds. Now, what everybody thinks that means is he's coming down to get his people. But in Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man comes in the clouds, but he doesn't come to earth. He goes to the Ancient of Days and is enthroned by him. He is given power and authority from the Ancient of Days, which is God. This is the Son of Man will take his place in heaven and be the one who rules over all, which happened after the ascension and the enthronement that took place in heaven when he went back. This language is not he's coming down to get his people. This language is he's ruling over his people from the throne of the ancient of days. Now what all that means? What that means, I think, is this, is that God is saying, I'm no longer operating through Israel. Israel is done. In that day when I destroyed the temple, when I let the temple be destroyed, and one, no stones will be left on another, only the substructure is still left, you can see today. It was totally obliterated. God was saying, I'm not using the Jewish nation anymore. They didn't accept my people. They didn't accept Jesus. They did not turn to him, and therefore I am done with them, and I want to completely vindicate my son, and I destroyed Judaism. There is no temple. There is no Judaism. There is still a political Israel over there, but it is not the spiritual Israel. It doesn't exist in one nation. As Daniel said, in the time of those kingdoms, there's another rock carved out of the hills. It's going to come, and it's going to, it's going to start a whole new kingdom of God that will last forever called the church. You know how God works today? There is still an Israel, a spiritual Israel. The spiritual Israel is church. God's done with political Israel. 
He had his fill of it. They didn't do it. They didn't accept Jesus. He let it go on for a little time, but shortly after he enthroned his son, he vindicated completely his Old Testament in Daniel and Isaiah when he brought the judgment on Israel and ended that nation so powerfully and so vividly in destroying the entire city of Jerusalem and indeed the temple itself. God has left the temple never to return. Because the temple is Jesus and all who are in Christ. He summarizes it all in verse 32. And this is where we kind of wrap it up. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. Let's wrap up this question. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know summer is near. When you start looking at fruit trees in the springtime, you start noticing the bud. And what you know is, well, where, there, where there's a bud, there's going to be fruit kind of know the time, right? Right now you have people saying, looking at the persimmon and see if it's a spoon or a knife or a fork or whatever. I don't know what that tells you, but people think they know it, right? So also when you see these things I've talked about, all the way from you, when you ask that, ask that question to right here, when you see these things, you will know it's near. I'm giving you signs. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away till these things take place. Some of you listening to me, these are just the disciples. Some of you 11 will see this. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Whatever he's talking about, it's going to happen within their lifetimes, and there are plenty of signs for them to be responsible for looking and seeing that it's happening. When you see the next verse that we dealt with this morning, he says, but concerning hour, that day, no one knows. There are no signs. Guys, that's a different topic altogether. It's clear he's talking about two different things. So what does this mean for you? That's what I want to answer on a Sunday night, right? What does this mean for you? Well, first, the only sign that Jesus gave that had to take place before he could return was the fall of Jerusalem in AD 70. That's the only sign that he gave, and it's been over for so long, it's not really a sign for us at all. But it does show that God knows exactly what he's talking about, and Jesus' words are absolutely true and sure, and you can take them. And that means that on that day, that day that we're really worried about, the end of time, there are no signs, you just have to be ready. Jesus is who he says he was. But just some practical things. Israel as a nation is not the people of God. So when you're watching those shows on Sunday morning, there are different preachers, TBN and other places, and the commercial comes on, we Christians got to support Israel and keep that land clear for when Jesus returns. That is bogus. Has absolutely no meaning or significance whatsoever. Our politicians are running like crazy, many of them, to protect that land over there as if it is the people of God where Jesus will reign for a thousand years. It's built on complete fabrication. Do not go running around worried about political Israel. Don't forget what, G Pilate, what Jesus told Pilate, right? My kingdom is not of this world. It used to be. It kind of was centered in Israel. But as of now, or as of this moment that I'm, I'm securing right now, my kingdom is not of this world. And our citizenship is not here either. It's in heaven. The advice that, G that Jesus gives the disciples, however, is very good in this section. I think it's something we should pay attention to. 
We're going to need to stay faithful despite many pressures being applied to us and many false truths that are swirling around our world and get us all concerned and all worried and whipped up into a frenzy. Listen, the Son of, Man, the Son of God has already come. The Messiah is here. There's nobody to wait for except his return. So no one is in his role. Only he serves that role. But he says, verse 4, see that no one leads you astray. That's always good advice. You make sure you pay attention to what people say because there are people trying to lead us astray. We must stay faithful. See that you are not alarmed, verse 6, at the last times things that you hear. Do not get alarmed at these people saying, oh, look what's happening. I love these books that come out of oil and the Middle East and what it means for the second coming of Christ. Please don't buy that book. What, save your money and buy one that I, I write. Okay, just, don't, just forget that. It makes no sense whatsoever. There is no such thing. We need to take great peace in what Jesus said. Listen, all you need to do is be ready. You don't have to be fearful. And you don't have to be alarmed. And you don't have to be scared about all these weird things people come up with and the movies they release. Quit doing that. Just be ready. That's all you have to do. It's very simple. And sometimes because it's simple, we make it complicated. The one who endures to the end will be saved. Verse 12. I think that's always going to be true. We will be mistreated as time goes on. Christians will be persecuted as time goes on, and we have an obligation to endure and be faithful regardless. And finally, anyone who says to you, look, there's the Christ, don't believe it. Why? Because when our Christ appears, every eye will see him. There will be no question in anybody's mind when the Christ returns. It's going to come from the sky, but every eye will see him. There won't be debates or discussions. Well, is that really him? I don't know. What do you think? And Fox News. There will be no more Fox News. Praise the Lord. Right? And, and so because of that, because time's over. Nothing for us to concern ourselves with. Nothing for us to fear in these verses. I said that they don't have any function for us. and They really don't. They don't bear on your life at all. Except to affirm that what Jesus tells us always comes about. And therefore, really, all we need to concern ourselves with today is verse 36 on, about that day. They provide an example how to handle temptations and the pressures of life when our faith causes conflict in this world, and it does. Other than that, listen, spend all your mental energy, if you want to worry about something, and I know some people really like doing that, if you really want to worry about something, worry about this. Spend your mental energy on being ready for that day. And don't waste any of your time on those days that are past. You can do nothing about them. And they will infringe on you none at all if you know the truth. And we are people of the truth, and we know the truth, and it sets us free from all that worry and anxiety. This evening, if there's any reason why you're not ready, if there's anything that is keeping you from saying, you know what, I know exactly what's going to happen. Yes, I will be startled. Yes, it will be scary. Yes, when I see Jesus, I'll have a heart attack. But you know what? You're not going to die, and if you do, it won't be very long. Because instantly after you die from that heart attack, you'll be brought back to life, and it's like nothing happened. And I'm not like, I'm like LaVon sometimes in the office. You all this stuff's happening and things go crazy. Sometimes she just says, you know, I wish he'd hurry up and come back. I kind of think so too. But I also know I'm going to be scared out of my mind. 
That's okay. As long as you're ready. If anything is keeping you from being ready, get it out of your way. Because that day could be any time. And we as Christians need to live ready. And whatever we can help you to do, whether it be the name, the name of Jesus from your lips in front of this group of people and be immersed, or whether it's get some sin that's happened since then that's holding you back and you haven't repented of, get that out of your way. Whatever distractions might be tormenting your mind, remove them. Remove them and be ready from this point forward. Whatever you need to do, make it known as we stand and as we sing.